The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Deb Tomorrow. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. Please follow along on Facebook, the Twitter, and uh, what else are we? The LinkedIn, I guess. I'm LinkedIn. Well, you were you're Instagramming, and I'm not Instagramming. You're not doing that. I anymore? should be, but what's it? Insta. Insta. I, don't know. I too too much. Yeah, Snapchat. No, I have no idea. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to talk about some really cool things today related to real estate. But, you know, I had a great meeting this morning doing some networking with uh, another business member in the community. And I was I was very happy. I was very touched that he and his wife listened to last week's show last night prior to meeting with me today. So he could be a little bit informed. So he scored a bunch of points with me. And he said, well, I really like how on the first part of the show, you just sort of, you know, have some banter and talk. And, you know, it's just kind of laid back and whatever. And so I was like, well, good. <laughs> we're just going to keep doing that because we, every week we talk about it. And we think, oh, we're just wasting time and not talking about house stuff. But um, did okay. you ask him for like uh, a suggestion on what he'd like to hear hear you talk about? No, I should. Well, he's, we're going to have him on the show okay. uh, at some point because he's an insurance agent. So he's going to talk about insurance stuff, which I think is it's a very foggy field even to me to know mm-hmm. what I, if I look at an insurance policy, what should I be looking at? Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be some really good information coming up. But um, you hear the voice of Karen Rasta, who is the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Hello. How was your week then? Uh, it's Tuesday. Yeah. It's been, it's been good. Has it been busy? Uh, it has been very busy. Anything new and exciting? Um, I'm joining a new mortgage company. You are. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. That's um, fun. My official start date uh, is tomorrow. Okay. So so you'll be in uh, training next week? Yes. So we'll talk about the following week. Yes, it'll be exciting. But you can still uh, and probably reach her in many of the same channels. So if anybody's <laughs> looking for her, just contact me and I'll hook you up um, since she and I pretty much share a brain. Did you know that today is a national holiday, Karen? It's a national It is a national holiday, or it should be a national holiday. It's the 31st of January. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm a little disappointed in you. I don't know. Whose birthday is it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Today. It is today. I I've been so busy. I'm sorry. I know. But I don't apologize you. to me. I love you, Justin. Apologize to Justin Timberlake, who is turning... Uh, 36 today. Which, by the way, I did ask one of the uh, new office, or at my new office, I asked the gal there, I said, um, what's the company's, uh, you know, guideline on if I change the uh, screensaver, the background <laughs> screen? 
on your lap, company laptop. Yeah, and, and she said, I think it's fine. I go, this is a great, fantastic, you know. Uh, Boring. One I'm looking at, I said, but I have to have Justin gazing back at me. That really starts my day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. God. Today's his birthday. You really didn't remember? I, I, I mean, I figured you'd oh have that gosh. programmed on your phone. I've been, I've been very preoccupied here lately. So. I suppose. Okay, well. We were going to put a little picture up on Facebook of him from you. I wonder if we could Photoshop my face on Jessica, Jessica Beals, uh mm. on the wedding photo. Oh. Okay. I digress. Okay. Well, All there right. you go. So uh, last week, uh, Iris and I had a lovely little date day, which we haven't done in ages, that we shipped the puppies off to um, play date. Okay. You know, we slept for three days afterwards. Five, five Bichons in a room. Uh, and we went up to the home show in Indianapolis. I was pretty excited. I have to say I was kind of a little disappointed because I thought, oh, I'm going to come back with all these great things to talk about on the show. And then dummy me, because I haven't been to that many home shows, just that we shipped the puppies off to um, play date. Okay. And we slept for three days afterwards, five five Bichons in a room. Uh, And we went up to the home show in Indianapolis. I was pretty excited. I have to say I was kind of a little disappointed. Because I yeah. thought, oh, I'm going to come back with all these great things to talk about on the show. And then dummy me, because I haven't been to that many home shows, didn't really realize that it's not what I thought it was going to be. I think what I need to do is go to one of these big builder shows. Okay. So, like, I want to see Delta Fawcett and all the new stuff they have coming out. Not necessarily the suppliers who are selling the Delta Fawcett stuff from the past two years. I see. So I was a little disappointed that like every kitchen setup you saw was pretty much the same kitchen that I see day in and day out. There was nothing new and innovative. Definitely no, you know, marble countertops, which is supposedly the trend. There was one really cool thing, which was they built a 6,000 square foot house inside the exposition hall. You mentioned that and I never even followed up and I thought that was inside. Okay. Pretty much the whole, it was a ranch over a walkout. So they kind of built the walkout. I mean, you had to walk upstairs to get to it because, right. you know, you can't dig into the floor of the expo right. hall, basically. Um, it was all brick. They did most of the roof, but I think they ran into some rafters up the top, so they couldn't do the entire roof, but most of it. That is... But it was brick. That's insane. Painted brick. Okay. And we just kept, and then, like, the steps up to the front door were all poured concrete. Well, you have to jackhammer that out. Was it worth when the trip? Was it worth the drive up no. to? It? Okay, no. <laughs> okay, I've never gone to the Indianapolis Home Show when they have it, but you know they advertise it on television all the time, yeah. and I think, oh, you know, it's just right up the street. Yeah. I would go but, every few years, maybe, but I was okay. kind of disappointed. So there were a few cool things that I saw. So inside the the model home, whatever, the 6,000-square-foot home that we couldn't really get past, what are you going to do with all these bricks once you tear it down? Um there were apparently one of the new trends is shiplap wallpaper. Wallpaper? Yeah, it's wallpaper, but it looks like shiplap. You have to like touch it and go, oh, it's not real. <clears throat> That's weird. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I don't uh, know. I'd have to see we're it. We're just going right. to put a picture up because okay. I did take a picture of that going through. So that was kind of interesting. And I thought, oh, they, you know, well, the wallpaper sort of always been a slightly trendy thing to do like uh, accent walls and things like that. Right, but now they're adding the uh, additional dynamic of the shiplap. Yeah, so then I was Googling this morning, and I found one on Lowe's that had, like, some different colors, and it was, like, a 3D wallpaper, and it was really kind of cool. Like, yeah, I don't know. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then another thing I saw that I thought was kind of cool, but then not, was there were these, um, they call them security doors, 
not storm doors because they were open. It wasn't like glass. Like we're big around storm doors around here. Okay. So there's just security doors, but they were like custom cut. So you could cut it like have the metal cutouts with like your family's name or the house address or a funky design. And there's some pictures Rachel's going to put up too on that. And I thought that was really cool. And then the guy, I said something to the guy. Oh, he gave me a catalog. He goes, oh, you don't have to take pictures on your phone. You can take the catalog and have pictures of all of them. I was like, oh, okay, these are just really cool storm doors. I've never seen this. He goes, they're not storm doors. They're security doors. I said, well, I live in Bloomington. We don't lock our doors at all. So you don't, don't lock your doors. No, it's a security door. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing that I saw, so these are kind of my top three was, um, the best damn coffee cake in the entire world. I know. I don't know. There was a guy, he was selling coffee cakes and Eurus was like, I have to get some of these coffee cakes. And they were literally the best damn coffee cakes in the entire world. I have not, uh, had a, had coffee cake in forever. It in was forever. so moist and it's called Dave's coffee cakes, right? Yeah. Dave's Coffee Cakes. We'll post a link. <clears throat> we're going to give them a shout out because I'm telling you, these were the best damn coffee cakes. Uh, Eurus ate half a one from the time that I went to bed one night until like the next morning. There was a whole coffee cake. And when I got up in the morning, there was only half a coffee cake. Wow. That's, I can understand that if it's that good. It was that good. So if you have a special occasion, I highly recommend Dave's Coffee Cakes. I think they have a Coffee Cake of the Month Club. I may enroll Eurus in that. You know, Rachel just went, huh? What? All kinds of flavors. All kinds of flavors. We had cherry and chocolate chip, and it was good stuff. So, all right. Should we talk about house stuff? Are we ready to talk about house stuff? We are ready. Okay. So I lied because last week I said that our show was going to be a potpourri of things. And then I ended up just getting stuck on the one topic of the FHA loans and changes and was it really a big deal and kind of going through all of that. Um, turns out, shockingly, I had a lot to say about the subject. Um, and I guess all I really wanted to say at the end of the day was that there have been worse things that have happened in the FHA world. Um, there have been changes under the previous administrations, administrations, so not just, you know, lots of previous administrations that have been more costly to home buyers and kicked even more people out of the home buying world than this most recent uh, thing. And so that being said, our message today really is, I'm going to sound like sappy and that's not it, but our message is hope. You know, I had some great conversations with some economists um, from the National Association of Realtors. I know she, Karen's like, aren't you smart? <laughs> Not so much. Uh, as well as a senior legislative rep. And I have to say, I was actually totally shocked at how helpful they were in answering my questions. Um, I mean, they were just, I mean, I was having two-way conversations with these people that were so much smarter than I am. Um, and were very happy to, to help and give me information and answer my questions. So I, some of my conversations with them did happen after the show last week. So I wanted to share just a couple of additional bullet points. Uh, and if you didn't listen to last week's show, you might, you know, rewind, download it on iTunes and, and take a listen or you can go to Voice America or my website and uh, click on it and listen to it. But we were basically talking about um, FHA mortgage insurance, that there was a um, mortgage insurance cut or reduction in the amount of insurance. And then that was suspended um, when uh, Trump was inaugurated on, on that day. And so everybody's sort of, you know, building it up into a big, huge thing. Um, this is not a new issue. Um, National Association of Realtors has um, argued for reductions in that mortgage insurance all the time. But this particular reduction, they've been arguing for, you know, they have people in Washington that go and talk to government, uh, congressmen, senators, 
um, and ask, you know, explain, they do the economy, they do the math for the government officials and say, look here, this is what we need to do. So they've been um, asking for and recommending this reduction since last spring. And I will say that had it been done last spring, it would be much more difficult to have suspended last mm-hmm. week. But it didn't get done until you know January 9th, uh, 11 days before the end of that administration. Um, the National Association of Realtors constantly monitors that FHA reserve fund, and there's a, an amount that has to stay in that fund. And then they try to forecast its balance, as that's a huge component of the market staying healthy. Um, and so their fund has... Uh, in 2016, so in last year, it's surpassed what the minimum balance needs to be, and it's forecast at today's rates to con- to double by 2019, so that we would have twice as much set aside in reserves in this FHA fund than we need in the next three years. So that's why the National Association of Realtors has been saying, hey, we can um, absorb some rate decreases. We don't need to build our reserves as quickly as we are on track to build, if that makes sense. Um, So I thought that was a really interesting point. Um, They just are saying, you know, we can slow that uh, rate that that money gets set aside. Um, And, to the National Association of Realtors, that's an affordability issue because what they were trying to say is, hey, interest rates are going to go up. So by lowering this um, rate, the in mortgage insurance, we're able to offset some of the interest rate increases and just kind of keep everything in balance a little bit. Um, one of the things that the economists and the senior legislative rep talked to me about quite a bit was that one of the things we talked about at the very end of the show last week, which was that how you don't drop off your mortgage insurance when you reach 20% equity in your house, that it used to be that you would lose that, and now you don't. And the NAR is has been campaigning really, really hard for that to go back into effect. Um, that's one of the reasons why the reserve has gone, gone so big. Um, so I guess my point is that if you think that um, supporting a realtor doesn't really do anything to help you, you may be wrong that while the government's trying to keep an eye on a million things, the National Association of Realtors is really devoted to one thing and one thing only, um, and that's keeping the market, real estate market strong and affordable uh, for the average American. Um, and they keep their your kind of eyes and ears and voice in Washington on that. So um, I thought that was some really good information, and I wanted to just follow up on that before we talk about other things. Um, So let's change gears a little bit. I'm done with that, but we are going to stay on loans Um, since we have Karen here. We want to use her expertise and since she won't be with us next week. No. We're going to change gears completely next week and have an organizational expert in to talk about organizing your home and getting it ready to sell and getting ready to uh, move. I can't wait to hear about that one. I think it's going to be some really good stuff and I think I'm probably going to feel really, really um, inferior and disorganized. No, you're going to feel motivated to, uh, like right now, my Buy tubs and Sharpie markers, that and label makers. Label, <laughs> I have a label maker. I do too. <coughs> I love label makers. Yeah. So but. I think there's going to be some really good um, information. It's interesting. I'm completely off topic now, but her name is Cheryl Smith. She also works with funeral homes um, and she helps people do um, kind of end of life planning, pre-planning. Which I think is a really, really difficult thing to do. So you have to be certainly a very compassionate person to do that. But it's such a helpful thing. Well, to I think do. that goes along with the whole organizational yeah. 
aspect that, yeah. that she possesses. So I think a lot of us face that, you know, time where it's kind of like, you know, your parents might be of a certain age and you start to go, okay, where are the insurance policies and where are the, you know, the stuff that you need to know about to make sure that things are taken care of. Um, so I think she's probably got some great ideas for that too. So we will definitely have tons and tons of information to talk about. Um, but uh, we're going to talk today about what happens if you get your turn down for a mortgage. And uh, do you lose all hope and do you just give up? Or do you dig a little bit deeper, keep asking questions, um, and kind of keep that hope of the American dream alive, if you will. So let's go ahead and go to break before I get too far into the topic, and then we will be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thanks for coming back. Today, we are talking about what happens if you get turned down for a mortgage. What should your next steps be, and is there hope? One of the reasons this came up, I've actually been thinking about this because I think Karen and I have both run into this a fair amount. This is the time of year where buyers start to come out of the woodworks, and we start to work on getting them pre-qualified. And I know, Karen, you've had to have some difficult conversations, or I don't know, difficult, but... It's not fun to tell someone, hey. It's not fun. But, I mean, especially when they're excited. Yeah. And maybe this is going to be a shock to them. Right, exactly. So I had lunch last week. um, Well, actually, after the show last week, the three of us, Rachel and Karen and I, went over to my sister's closet, which is one of my 101010 organizations that we're supporting this year by donating 10% of commissions to 10 local nonprofits. Uh, And so we went over there and uh, and bought some clothes uh, from my sister's closet. But uh, then I ended up, the executive director wasn't there, and she was sorry she missed us. And so. I had lunch with her uh, on Friday 
And we talked a lot about their client base. They provide women um, advocacy tools and training so they can emerge out of situations like extreme poverty, domestic violence, and homelessness um, by helping them find employment and economic success. And the cool thing is that they partner with over 40 other agencies and work side-by-side providing clothing and mentoring to help their clients find their way out and um, on their own. And whenever they enroll a new client, Sandy, who's the executive director, was telling me they have them fill out a questionnaire. And one of the questions they ask is, what are your ultimate goals? Like, what's your dream? You know, because we all want to help other people make their dreams come true. Uh, and she said that many of the clients state that they want to be a homeowner. To them, that's sort of the epitome of stability and security and something that they've never experienced before. And that was really touching to me. Um, and we started chatting about the obstacles to them and basically how a lot of their clients don't even know where to start on the path to ownership. And I think for many of them, even if they started today, they're probably three to five years out um, for a lot of reasons. And so we were brainstorming ways to help them and help kind of keep that dream alive and keep that hope alive. Uh, and so, uh, Carol, I'll talk to you off the air about some of the ideas we, we came up with that because I know you'd probably love to help. I'm going to enlist your aid on that. But, um, it, you know, Our quote for today is, when you wake up in the morning, you have two choices. You can go back to sleep and dream your dreams, or you can wake up and chase those dreams. And every day you chase those dreams, you're one day closer to living them, right? So that's what we want to talk about today. Sometimes the race is a short sprint. You just need a few months to get some things straightened out. And sometimes it's a longer marathon and even three to five years. But every day that you choose to do something to get closer to your goal, you're closer to your goal. Every day you don't do anything, you're further away. You just get further and further away from your goal. And I see that so many times with people that you've seen it, right? I I do. We were just talking about this today at my new office. And uh, there are some people who are very driven to reach that goal. I think it is a sense or a symbol of I've made it. Mm -hmm. That makes me successful because uh, you know, whether you hear that it's so hard to get to get your own home mm-hmm. or, you know, buy a house, this, that, or the other, uh, or they just have felt defeated mm-hmm. for the majority of their of their adult life right. or their, their credit life or something like that. So, uh, but there are some people who definitely, they don't know where to go. And I always tell them, you just have to find that one lender who's yep. willing to sit down and try to help you come up with a game plan. Yep, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. That's exactly what today's show is because I think too many times they go to one person and get shot down, don't really understand why, and just kind of shrug and say, well, I guess I'll never be able to achieve that. Uh, and I don't, I, you know, I would venture to say that with you know anybody can get a home you just have to do the right things in the right order and sometimes you have to have a lot of patience so let's do a brief review of how a lender what a lender looks at when they approve you for a loan because then will because then those would be the reasons that you might not qualify for a loan mm-hmm. so they review your credit and they review what's called your debt to income ratio so that is how much income do you have coming in and how much of that is going out to pay for any outstanding debts, whether that's credit cards, student loans, car payments, anything like that. Um, so it's obvious, I think, to most of us, credit's kind of a yes or no thing typically, right? Either your credit makes it or it doesn't. And we'll get into overlays yes, and all that good yes, stuff. Okay. But basically, yes. your credit hits the marker, it doesn't. With income, it tends to be, um, like you qualified someone um, recently, I know, and because there were clients that were working with me, and they decided they were going to hold off a year because you could qualify them, but not for very much. And Correct. And so it's not that they didn't qualify, it's that 
it was going to be really hard to find a home that was comfortable and in their price range. Right. And it was just a one person on the loan, mm-hmm. even though there were going to be two people, mm-hmm. but that other person wasn't going to be on the loan. So that person's income is yeah. not even in the equation. Right. So, um, you know, like I said, income isn't really a black and white thing. It's a, you know, are you qualifying for enough to get you something habitable and safe and that kind of thing. Um, not being able to get a mortgage is usually a combination of the two. If you think about it, if you improve on one side, you probably improve on the other. If you improve your credit score, many times that means you've paid down debt, which helps your debt to income ratio. But what's most important, and I think where... Um, people get tripped up is they need to understand if you get notification that you didn't get the loan or that you can't qualify for, you know, an amount that's reasonable, you need to understand exactly why you didn't get the loan and you need to make sure that it makes sense to you. So you need to keep asking questions and what do we say? What do our t-shirts say? Demand to understand. There you go. Demand to understand. Don't just say, okay, Uh, say, what do I need to do? And if they don't answer that question for you, you need to go find a lender who will. Because I know sometimes, and I'm thinking back on this uh, this couple we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to remember exactly how I may have worded it because we were doing a lot of email communication. And so I tried to put in, you know, hey, this is the amount, and the reason I can't go higher is because you know, the, the debt to income threshold is, you know, and I, I, I hope I gave a number, but to give them some background, if they want more information, I can do that. But I do know a lot of lenders and some, you know, coworkers that I've had in the past also would just say, sorry, I'm not able to help you. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, your debt to income is too high. And then right. that's it. Right. And then, and then even to take it a step further, and because I was then carrying on a conversation with the same borrower, um, I think it was yesterday or sometime over the weekend, and saying, you know, they said they were gonna, they needed to hold, and they had to resign their lease because we sign resign leases really early around here, and so you have to commit to a lease or be homeless, and so you know there were a bunch of factors that went into, it, and she said we're just gonna focus on paying down our student loans. I said, that's great. Make sure that's the right thing to do for your short-term goal. And what I was trying to say was, you know, if you can pay $3,000 down on your student loan, it may not change your monthly payment on your student loan. And therefore, it may not have much of an impact on your debt-to-income ratio. Correct. Right. Okay, am I looking right. at that right? Yes, I'm not are. a lender. So yeah. what I was saying to her was, if you can save $3,000 that you would have paid down on the student loan, you might hold on to that and just be able to use that towards the house and be able to afford $3,000 more house. Mm-hmm. Because unless you're going to do something, and I'm saying pay down your debt. God, please pay down your debt. <laughs> I'm not saying don't pay down your debt. Um, but I, th- there was a whole message board thing I was reading this morning of like a 22-year-old that was asking people's opinion. Because you go to message boards when you're 22 to get people's opinions on what you should do with important financial matters. And they wanted to buy a house, but they wondered if they should pay down their student loans. or And they were getting all kinds of conflicting information. I'm like, well, that was really helpful to the person who posted but I started thinking, I don't want people to think I'm not telling you to pay down your debt because certainly that's a great thing. No, but here's a quick example if I could just jump please, in. Please I had do. someone doing an FHA loan where the minimum down payment is 3.5%. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a lot more that she could have and wanted to put down. And I can't tell, as a lender, I can't say, oh, don't do that or you should do this. I presented her what that looked like. Like I gave her tangible, you know, printouts and said, okay, if you did your minimum three and a half percent, here's what your payments would look like Mm -hmm. in your APR and all that. If you did the 
10% that you have and you want to put down, here's how that changes. Mm -hmm. And then I let them decide. But a lot of times the amount that that means that you're going to put down additional money down doesn't lower your payment a whole lot. And Mm -hmm. then I bring up, you know, what happens with the AC? This had an older AC unit. Mm -hmm. Like what happens this summer uh, and if that breaks, you know, do you have, you know, reserves to cover that, that type of thing? You know, just some other things to think about, you know, but by all means, whatever you want to put down, you can put down. I just wanted to show you. Um, and I think with her, she thought that the payment would drop drastically mm-hmm. per month. And it right. it didn't. Right. It didn't. But I think every case is sort of um, unique. I found this other example and I just kind of pulled it out. There was a whole case study written out that I was reading, but I just pulled out the financial part. And basically it was saying this person had $20,000 to play with. And their question was, do I put $10,000 down on the house and $10,000 pay off my credit card? Or do I put $20,000 on the house and not pay off my credit card, just keep making my $250 monthly payment? And they were showing in the math the difference in the payment, but also the difference in the amount of house that they were able to afford. And by putting less down on the house, but paying off that credit card, in this situation, they could afford about $30,000 more in a house. So you kind of have to work it from all angles. And that's, you know, I, I kept telling my client, we were trying to have this conversation over email. And it's like, I feel like I need a whiteboard yes. and a spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. And she goes, it's okay. I, I use it. I have an Excel sheet that I'm using. So I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm still not confident that she fully understood exactly what I was saying. Yeah. It's those type of conversations that you do want to get face to face if that's yeah. possible yeah. or even or Snapchat or whatever right. you need to do right. to say, I don't know. Like I talk with my hand, like yeah. can, no one can see me, but you and Rachel, right. but I talk with my hands and I feel like I can make you understand yeah, right. and it makes more sense when I am. Well, you know, some of it is I'm looking that. in your eyes and I'm seeing your head nod and you're saying, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, yes. so anyways, there's, there's lots of ways to look at it. And again, that's why you need to go find a lender who will explain it to you and look it up. So like we talked about, there's really two types of rejections. Some borrowers get turned down for a home loan because they're simply not qualified for the loan with any lender. This could be um, bad credit or a mountain of debt, um, judgments, things like that. Um, The person um, probably would be rejected across the board no matter where they went. So that's one kind. But the other kind, and this is the kind I want to focus on a little bit today, is uh, what we call bank-specific rejection. Um, There's a story on Facebook that I think I hopefully Rachel saw because I emailed it to you right at the last minute. Um, And I'm not going to go over the whole. It was a pretty interesting story. It had two points to it. One was... um, don't use Bank of America, I think was the point to it. But it was kind of comparing local lender versus a large lender. But the other one was this concept of mortgage rejection is bank specific. This gentleman was going to get a VA loan and um, Bank of America you know, sent a pre-qualification letter. They would ask for information. He would give it to them. 59 days into the process, at like two days before closing, they rejected him. Because they said, oh, yeah, no, you have to have some reserves, six months of reserves, which sometimes in some scenarios, and I think there may have been another house, like they hadn't sold their first house yet or something. And so banks like to see that you have six months worth of house payments in the bank. And these people did not. And so they rejected them, right, like literally the day before closing, 59 days into the process, after having been told a million times. And he timelines it in this whole story, so it's kind of interesting. See, I'm making all these faces, but I want to read the article and get a better understanding because that could have been 
possibly reviewed and underwritten directly by VA and they may not have found out to the 59th day. Mm. But just to, you know, well, but here's what's interesting then. So then they go over to a small local, you know, bank, not a big giant, whatever. And they said, Oh, we don't have that same reserve. They said that's bank specific. Okay. We don't have that. That's what's called an overlay. Okay. And I love So talk- we're talking about I'll, overlays. I, okay. Yeah, sorry. That's right. no, I should like, okay. you know, give you a header of what I'm talking <laughs> about so you can follow along closer. Um, so uh, I, I like the, to explain the concept of overlays because I think people don't get it, but it's really pretty simple. Most loans have basic rules, VA loan, FHA loan, USDA loan. They all have basic rules that are set. However, individual lenders may choose to add rules on top of that or overlay those rules. And so um, that's what happened with this. They went to a bank that required reserves, went to another bank, didn't require reserves, was able to use the previous appraisal and all that, and got the loan closed in like 11 days. So I tell people my rule of thumb is if you get turned down, by one person, and it's not because your credit score is 400. You know, if it's something that you're kind of like, oh, what, huh? The, I say you go to three lenders before you take no for an answer. There's a I lot of overkill, but you know. At least two. Yeah. Yeah, go to at least two. But I usually, if, I, if I'm working somewhere where there is a slight overlay, mm-hmm. and it, it's, uh, you know, and coming from a place, I used to work for a bank back in the day, and the banks are a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. However, to this day, I still, if it's something the company I work for has a minor overlay, I will tell that person, mm-hmm. this is my company's uh, extra guideline. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly confident if you shop around, you can, you know, th- someone else may not yeah. have this. I, I highly encourage you to do that. You know, that way, because... You know, every company is a little different, and that's that's fine. Right. But I don't want that person to walk away feeling defeated and then like that's it. So I had something happen just a few weeks ago, and I had a, a young lady call me, and they had found a house they fell in love with. And she was feeling very defeated because they were trying to get a USDA loan. She had done all the research. She's a millennial. God bless them. So they'd done all the research online, right? Yes. And they came in. She's like, we talked to a lender. And I was like, oh, that's great. And she's like, they wouldn't give us the loan. I was like, why not? And she said, well, they said it was because I'm student teaching and my fiance is paying all my bills right now so that we couldn't afford it. And I'm like, Done. Even makes, that just didn't make sense to me. Right. Be- yes, I Nothing agree made sense, right? right? And so I sent her to another lender, someone local that I knew that I thought, okay, this person will help us understand what's going on. So she went to this other lender and she didn't, the, the, the young lady didn't really have a lot. She couldn't do much on the mortgage because she wasn't working right now. She, I mean, she was student teaching. She wasn't going to have a job mm-hmm. until the fall. So we had to look at the guy and the guy's credit score just found, fell a scotch short of some lenders overlays. Okay. So we knew that. Okay. Now we got something to work with, right? right. We know, okay, that credit score is a little bit low. So now we go to lender three. Okay. Who says, yes, I can do the slightly lower credit score. So all you needed was lender number one to give some more details yeah. besides what was relayed to them. Right. Uh, and sometimes I, I tell you, uh, you know, future buyers out there, even if it sounds uh, foreign and they're telling you and they're talking the mortgage lingo, get the get the information, write it down or, or have them yeah. email it to you. So that you can take it back to your realtor right. or someone else and say, this is what they said. I'm not even quite sure what this means. Right. 
but then but then you know right and and that's kind of the how the conversation ended up going after with this uh young lady because she kept she would forward forward me emails from the lender and she goes i'm not really sure what this means what should i do and i would try to interpret or i might contact the lender and say they're not understanding this can you help me explain it and uh and that kind of thing the lender can't really contact me without permission so usually we kind of have to work the long way around but you know i wonder if the first lender what they were trying to say was you didn't have enough money saved up because at the end of the day, what they had to do was um, have some cash reserves, which they had because he had some retirement accounts that counted for cash reserves. I'm wondering if the first one was like, well, you don't have any money. You must not have any money because he's paying everybody's expenses. I'm not sure. Like I still don't know why he said no, unless he just thought it was too much paperwork. (laughs) I don't know, but you should, I, you know, like I, you know, I exhaust myself looking for, am I missing anything else? Is there any, you know what I mean? Like, would additional assets help? Would that make a difference? And so I just try to make sure that I've covered everything before, you know, I'm actually denying somebody. But now let me ask you this question. If you find a lender who's willing to do it, and maybe it's because your credit score is slightly lower or something like that, do you end up paying the price with a higher interest rate or higher closing costs? I'm going to say not usually because if I can, if I can look at your credit and give you an interest rate based off of that credit score, Mm -hmm. the other lender, we're probably looking at about the same interest rates Mm -hmm. and about the same closing costs only because we're trying to stay in competition with each other. So uh, if, if lender one is giving you an interest rate of whatever, like four and an eighth, Mm -hmm. chances are lender two is going to give you the same interest rate because you're is based off of scores and other yeah. things. So probably not the case 10 years ago, but probably is the case right. now. So yeah. check that. Remember when you're looking at comparing loans and comparing lenders, you want to look at your APR because that rolls in all the closing costs and helps you compare apples to apples. I'm sure we have a show out there somewhere where we talked about APR, but we may have to revisit it one of these. Uh, after 44 shows, I feel like I can repeat myself, right? I think so. All right. Then we're just we're going to do <laughs> same shows from here on out. All right. Let's take one final break. We're going to talk a little bit about a uh, little bit more about credit and a little bit more about income. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thanks for coming back. We are talking today about what do you do if you get turned down for a mortgage? Do you lose all hope? Do you throw in the towel or do you carry on and try and educate yourself and figure out how to move forward and get closer and closer and closer to your dream? Yeah. Are you inspired, Karen? No, I just had a visual of uh, (laughs) when I was a younger kid where it was like, choose your own ending. Choose your own adventure. The book. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Like, what do you do? A lender turns you down. Ooh, turn to, pa- like. turn to right. page 47 <laughs> right. if this or turn to I drown my 62. sorrows in a bottle of wine <laughs> turn to page 47 yes <laughs> well we've talked a lot about credit and we have um, I was writing this and I said we had two big shows on credit recently and then I went back so I could tell you the dates so you could listen to the shows and apparently we had three shows on credit how do we do we did a three-part series the big credit was it a, was it a, a three-part series or I feel like credit is always you know, in the background. It is a sort of a running thread. Yeah. It's the thread that holds us together. But three shows, uh, November 29th, December 6th, and December 13th of this past year. So if you really want to know everything you want to know about credit, or you should know about credit. we did go three weeks in a row. We went, remember, we went into the history and what FICO means. Yeah. All the things that go into your credit score. I don't remember what the third show was about, but it's on there, so it must be rough. Tons of good information. So we're not going to go into crazy detail about the credit, but I do want to give um, some highlights. Um, Obviously, if your credit score doesn't meet the lender requirements, you're going to be denied. But did you know that there are things on your credit report that are going to knock you out, even if your credit score is good enough? And I have seen this before. There's a couple of things that are really obvious, and that's foreclosures and um, bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. You can rebuild your credit pretty quickly, but that a certain amount of time has to pass before, after bankruptcy or after a foreclosure, before you can. That is correct. That is that's correct. usually two years or so. It depends. Bankruptcy, it I depends think. on what loan program. Okay. But there are some out there that it's yeah. two years after yeah. uh, either the the deed was transferred out of your or you know out of your name. And yeah. And what's interesting to me too is that that date that I've worked with a lot of people coming out of bankruptcy or out of foreclosure, and no one's really ever clear on what that discharge date is or what that on the foreclosure. We say you know there has to be three years past three years from what date? From when from when the title to the property came out of your name. So, so yeah, you could have a discharge of January thirty first. Mm-hmm. Your bankruptcy was discharged today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may take your lender another six weeks or so or two months to actually get everything processed and remove your name off of that deed. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about March, let's just say right. March 15th or something. Sure. Yeah. That is, that's the date. Yeah. And so I think that's where you kind of, yeah. Right. So if that's your situation, I do want to hear some hope. Uh, it's an interesting fact that I found between 2006 and 2014, 9.2 million people went through foreclosure. That's wow. a crazy number. Yeah. For an eight-year period. But by 2015, a million of those people had already bought another house. And 2015, it wasn't, I mean, that wasn't shady mortgage stuff. That was pretty hardcore. So... Mm-hmm. Again, don't give up hope. There certainly is hope. You just need to be doing the right things 
kind of every day. It's almost like a diet. Mm-hmm. You know, some days it's going to be a lot harder than others. Um, there are some opportunities maybe um, for shorter waiting periods if you do what's called a portfolio loan. Um, and I don't know, you have to look at, evaluate that situation. So what can you tell us what a portfolio loan is? A portfolio loan or an in-house loan is a, a loan program or product that that lender is going to keep on their books and not sell to an investor on a secondary market. So you may see that more so with like uh, banks and credit unions Mm -hmm. where they don't deem it as high risk Mm -hmm. as maybe the mortgage industry would. So they're willing to retain that Mm -hmm. and potentially maybe or maybe not take a loss on it if that person foreclosed. Mm -hmm. But that's a portfolio loan. A lot of times those are adjustable rates too that they can be or or it could be a fixed rate, but maybe at a higher at a higher interest rate. But Again, always weigh out all of your options. Well, I know someone around here in town who gets foreclosed on every few years, and she always turns up buying a house. And we all go, how does she do that? Like, we can't figure it out. But my guess is she's got some good relationships with banks. And they go, oh, it's okay. We'll give you a loan. (laughs) And she defaults, and they just do it again. Um, But beware of those, because remember what we always say, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. You're probably going to have... It's not just like a slam dunk. You're going to have mm-hmm. higher interest rates, probably, mm-hmm. you know, different terms. You may have to, you know, do it as a 20-year term instead of a 30-year term or something like the that. The girl I was talking about that did an FHA loan that had, she had funds to put down. Like, she wanted to put down mm-hmm. 15, 20 percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a previous uh, bankruptcy like that. Mm-hmm. And if, if for her to do a conventional loan going Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, she has to wait seven years. Yeah. And... And so right now, FHA was her option because she's still within that seven-year period. But she is that driven that she's counting down that in 28 months from mm-hmm. now, she'll be at her seven-year mark. And be able to refinance and going to re- Yes. Yeah. Interesting. I have a note somewhere, and I don't know where we get to it. Um, bah, 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 bah. Oh, does your debt define your loan? And that's kind of what you were just saying, right? That your debt or your, your history defines in some cases, can define what kind of loan you get. It definitely puts you on a path that maybe that you don't want to go. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would say define because you can always redefine well, you can redefine, right. but um, you know, I, I've had a couple of clients who have had to get FHA loans just because their debt is so high because of student loans. And so in that case, they had more money to put down. But they still had to get the yes. FHA loan. FHA, they, they allow for a little bit higher. They're, they're a little bit more. I think we talked about that. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm having a deja vu. Yeah, yeah FHA sure has a uh, little higher debt-to-income ratio tolerances. Right. right. Let's talk real briefly about um, judgments and collections. So collection is when you have an unpaid debt. And I had to look this up, I have to say. I didn't really know the difference between a collection and a judgment because, God forbid, I have a bill that's a day late. I have a heart attack. <laughs> Jeez, like someone else you know, right? Um, so collection is an unpaid debt that is reported to the credit bureaus as a collection item. It's turned over to collections. Sometimes it's in-house. Sometimes it's sold to a collection agency. I had a friend who once worked for a collection agency. Apparently he was really, really good at it. And I thought, how depressing of a job would that be? Yeah. Like you had to call people and try and help make payment arrangements. And, hey, hey. Um, when the debt collector sues you, then it can become a judgment. 
and judgments can be renewed and be on your record for years and years. So I have a funny story. My friend Debbie down the hall there, she used to own a rental house. And there were some boys there that somehow, I know they skated out on some rent or something. And I think she had a judgment against them for the unpaid rent for years. And it was probably 10 years had gone by. And she kept renewing it. Oh, my. And um, one of them went to buy a house. And they were like, you can't, you got to pay off that judgment. You cannot, right, you can't have any judgments. No judgments. No judgments. Because why? Because the judgment can't attach to real estate. Yep. So the judgment could get stuck with the house and then the bank could get stuck with the judgment. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And I think one of the boys like went to her and said, will you accept the settlement amount? She's like, hell no. (laughs) I was going to say, say, Debbie stayed on top of it because a lot of people just, they go and they, and they file yeah. it, but then out of sight, out of mind. But it's she, very complicated, and I haven't quite figured that out. She's like Derek Smith from Confessions of a Shopaholic, okay. where he's the debt collector, and he just keeps going at it. You've not yeah. seen that show? No. Okay. But yeah, I had one of those once, and I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do to like, I had the judgment. It was in place for a while, but then, yeah, yeah. you have to file what's called a pro-supplemental something. I don't know. It's really complicated. So, But the debt collectors know how to do it, and they do it in mass, and they just keep okay. filing them, so they're there. So no judgments, and then do collections also impact you getting a mortgage? They can. It depends on how much you owe, and yes. I've certainly had some buyers have to come up with money at closing, Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's a judgment. Because I don't know that it always shows up on your credit report. Sometimes it shows up when the, in the title, title company yes. does mm-hmm. the title search. And so sometimes that happens a little bit further down in the process. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have this judgment against for the you know this chiropractor for $7,000. Yeah, there's certain loan programs that say if the aggregate total, like you could have 15 collection items. Mm-hmm. And if the aggregate total meets or is greater than a certain dollar amount, then they're all required to be paid. But if they don't meet, you know, whatever that dollar amount is, then you can leave them out there. Because I've had people say, should I just pay those off? Will that help me? And I'm like, oh, if they're collections. Yeah, if they're collections. And I'm like, let's just, let's just see. That's up to you. Like you still owe this money, but that's Mm -hmm. up to you. But hang tight. Like don't go and and stir, you know, like don't go and uh, do anything on your credit. Yeah. Let's just see if, if those have to be paid. Um, Sometimes medical collections can be treated a little bit differently. Uh, I've read that, but that rule seems to change a lot. I've seen that's one of the FHA rules that kind of bounces around, and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. So I have a lot of people who say to me, well, my credit's not good, but it's okay because it's all medical. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but have you had people say that to you before? I've had people yeah. say that, or I had insurance, and there was you know a couple bills that didn't get paid, and I didn't know, and that type of thing. Um, I've never, I've personally not come across where, because of the type of collection debt it was, that it didn't matter. But, I, I mean, all collections may may have an impact. It just depends. Okay. Okay. So, that's definitely something to uh, take a look at and be aware of. Um, I know... Um, Sometimes people get overwhelmed and all those collections show up and then they just think, well, it hasn't bothered me yet. So I'll just keep on my merry way renting and Um, not deal with them. A person that you and I both know, Mm -hmm. uh, she worked almost two years and paid back, I mean, well over like ten or $15,000 in that debt. 
until she could get to the point where it was not impacting yeah. to obtain a mortgage. And she really found, was a poster child for working at it. Yes, she was. She was. This was. A, I know. I did. I got on cheap behind my knees. I don't know why. Um, she, she's a, a single mom and uh, works hard and just kept at it and kept at it and you know we'd come back and okay you got to do this and then she would do it and she would figure out a way to do it so she she did she did a great job with that um let's see let's talk real quick about if you get denied for your credit one of the things i want to make sure because i know you feel really strongly about this is you have to get what's called an adverse action letter correct and that's a federal law yes you have to get that yes and it has to have, there are certain pieces that have to appear on that letter from any lender. So if you want to Google adverse action notice, mm-hmm. you can see a general idea. But I would never take something that a, a lender just typed up themselves. Okay. Because that does not meet the requirement. One of the reasons, there's several reasons for that adverse action. One is to help the consumer. These are all consumer protection laws. To help the consumer know exactly what they need to do in order to um, improve their credit. But the other is to make sure that you can't just get out of a contract because, you know, a lender says, oh, yeah, no, you didn't qualify for the loan because you're financing contingencies. So um, it seems like the last four minutes of the show just went by in 30 seconds. It did. Yeah. <laughs> How did it that did. happen? Oh, now you got okay, 30 now seconds. Okay, now I got 30 seconds left. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about income, but I guess maybe we'll have to do that on another show. Um, but the basic gist of income is, you know, to improve that part of the equation, it's a little tricky because most of your income has to show like a track record of a couple years. If you have a part-time job, it's not going to count unless you've been doing it for two years. So start to get that part-time job now. <laughs> start delivering those pieces now so you'll be ready in two years um, if anybody has any questions about this or wants to pursue the dream of home ownership wants someone to help keep them accountable and keep them on track over the time period that they need to kind of get things straightened out we certainly would love to do that we want to help people achieve that dream and we really feel strongly that it's reachable for anyone um, so you know keep the dream alive remember when you wake up in the morning you have two choices you can go back to sleep and dream your dreams or you can wake up and chase those dreams. Every day you chase those dreams, you are one day closer to living them. Tune in next week for something completely different. Uh, We're going to talk about organizing and we're going to get inspired. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Karen, thanks for joining us. Rachel, thank thank you. you as always. And we will be back with more Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.